Hello and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Dr. Debbie Silber is a holistic psychologist. She is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and is a health, mindset, and personal development expert. She is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis. Her latest book is called Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and Happiness. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made groundbreaking discoveries that changes our perception on how long it takes to heal from trauma. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, TEDx Twice, and more, she's an award-winning speaker, coach, and author dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals, as well as many other blocks, preventing them from the health, relationships, and happiness they want the most. Dr. Debbie Silber, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we do have something in common that I would like to point out. We both love dogs, um, but I only <laughs> have two. You seem to take your love of dogs to a bit of an extreme that I would not. I would not go to. Yeah, we we collect them. I, I, I don't even know how it happened. We had six at one point. We we have four now. We actually lost three over the summer, which uh, just was awful within the past couple of months and then uh, couldn't take it. So we got a chocolate lab. Actually, her name is Casey. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. That's great. So we're back up to four. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, every week, my wife and I ask each other um, three questions about how our week went. We ask each other one thing we've learned or changed our mind about. We ask each other one thing we wish we had done better and one thing that, that we were really proud of in that week. And my yeah. answer this week, we were out on a walk for what I wanted to do a little better was have a little bit more patience with our dogs. <laughs> we have two. Um, and by the time we got home, we found out that one of them had peed all over the place. One of them had thrown up all over the other, all over the place. And so it was like already like 30 minutes after <laughs> acknowledging that I should be more, more patient with my dogs. Like I'm ready to give them away. So <laughs> uh, I hear you. And actually two of our dogs are, one is going to be 19. The, wow. the three we lost were younger. So we still have our 19 year old and a 13 year old. And all we do all day is clean up after oh. those two. <laughs> they don't even know they're doing it. I, I don't even, I mean, they're, they're not in any pain, but wow. they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that a lot be- of work. <laughs> um, we certainly feel for you for losing your dogs over the summer. We lost a cat over um, the summer. I couldn't believe how difficult morning that was. That was really, really challenging. So dogs are definitely special uh, creatures in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Well, I am curious to talk to you about your work. It occurs to me that somebody who studies what you study probably doesn't do so on accident. You probably didn't just stumble (laughs) upon this on accident. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the work that you do? Of course. This is actually my 30th year in business. And as life would change, so would business. And I started in health and then mindset and then personal development. And then trauma hit. I had a it was a horrible betrayal from my family and thought I did what I needed to do to heal from that and, and move through it. And then a couple of years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband, shocked, blindsided, devastated, you know, what anybody goes through who has experienced that. So I got him out of the house and I, I looked at the two experiences and I said, well, what's similar to these two experiences besides me, of course. And I realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my own needs seriously. Um, it was always about everybody else. So I knew something drastic had to happen. And so I decided to enroll in a PhD program in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of 
transformation and human potential. I mean, I had four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but like this, this had to happen. And, and so I took it on and then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life. Wow. That's so interesting. How, how is betrayal different than any other trauma that we can face? Yeah. You know, that was actually one of the discoveries. Originally I was studying uh, betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar with that, post-traumatic growth is, if you can imagine kind of an upside of trauma, how your trauma, whatever it is, whether it's, um, you know, death of a loved one, disease, devastation of some kind, leaves you with a new awareness, perspective, insight that you didn't have, right? So, and I, but I was like, I've been through death of a loved one and I've even been through disease. And I was like, but betrayal feels different for me. I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants, I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, like one of my participants lost everything in a house fire, right? Does it feel different for you? Hands down unanimously. They said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. Rejection, confidence, abandonment, belonging, worthiness, trust, they're all shattered. So it didn't quite feel like post-traumatic growth. It felt like post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. So the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal leaves you with this this space called post-betrayal transformation. Mm. That was the first discovery. Wow. Interesting. What were the other two? So the second one was um, that there's a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've easily had 30,000 plus people uh, take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. And it's so interesting because, I mean, every age, every demographic, almost every country. And, you know, we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof. It's not true. There's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 10 years ago. Feels like it happened yesterday. So we know when it comes to betrayal, it requires a very different type of healing. And, you know, every couple of months I pull the stats from the quiz just to see, you know, how people are doing. Would you like me to share them? Absolutely. So interesting. Sure. Yeah. So this is, so imagine this is out of like 30,000 plus people, 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. I mean, that's just exhausting right there. 94% deal with painful triggers. These are the most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% have extreme fatigue. So they can sleep a whole night, wake up, they're exhausted. Those are your adrenals that tanked. Uh, 47% have weight changes. Maybe in the beginning, they can't hold food down. Later on, they're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. Anything from IBS, Crohn's, uh, diverticulitis, um, constipation, diarrhea, anything. Wow. 
Wow. The most common, yeah, most common mental changes. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% are unable to focus. 64% are in shock. And 62% are unable to concentrate. So now imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. And you're supposed to work and raise your kids or whatever else it is you're doing. That's not even the emotional ones. Uh, 88% have extreme sadness, 83% angry, 82% feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote the book Trust again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Wow. So those numbers, uh, yeah, they're staggering. Is this, mm-hmm. is this something that's a lot more common than we assume? Like I look back at my life and I, I can't really identify a time that I was, I, I could say like I was strongly, you know, betrayed mm-hmm. by anyone or anything. But I, I mean, is that, is that unique to me? Is it, is it like mm-hmm. a large percentage of the population that experiences all those things? You know, unfortunately, it's very common. And and it doesn't have to be, you know, when you think betrayal, usually people think just partner. But it's it's really, there are so many different uh, types. There's, there's a family member, a partner, a friend, a coworker, someone in a position of authority, self-betrayal. I mean, self-betrayal is huge too. But that doesn't mean that everybody has experienced betrayal. And it could be like sort of, it doesn't have to be the one big massive you know, earth shattering betrayal. It could also be that we call death by a thousand cuts betrayal, you know, where someone is repeatedly uh, doing, you know, lying or whatever it is they're doing. So it takes on so many forms, but no, not everybody has been betrayed and you're one of the lucky ones. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, I'm glad for that. Um, Bethany had a question for you and she wanted to know kind of along the lines of what you just said, can we feel betrayed by our bodies if we don't have good health, if we get a, a, a cancer diagnosis or something along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I've had a few guests on on From Betrayal to Breakthrough, uh, my podcast, and and that was the, the theme. It, it was just these incredibly healthy, um, whether they were health experts coming into it or they became health experts, who they were doing everything right. And, and then they, they got some, you know, illness, condition, disease, and they did feel like their bodies have betrayed them. There's so much to it, though. So while we can look at it that way, so often I also see that um, there is, I mean, your biggest crisis reveals your greatest gift. I mean, I have seen it so often where, like, the person who is flat broke finally had the incentive to create that business that they wanted to, and then it took off. Or, or that person who was, you know, knocking on death's door with a mystery illness, figured out a roadmap and healed. And now they teach everybody to do the same. Even in my scenario, you know, I, I was think about it. The most important people in my life all betrayed me, and I had a very powerful story. If you, if and I would have gotten sympathy from everybody I told it to, but instead we're helping thousands of people. You know, we're certifying coaches. We, you know, we're running the PBT Institute. So, um, it's usually these opportunities mm-hmm. that um, you know. It's like the light. It, what, what's that saying? When when it, the, it, the light shines. Oh, I always botch up quotes. Something like where the light, the light shines, <laughs> where the 
crack is. And then the light shines in a roomy quote. I just botched it up completely, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I mean, the only reason we're having this conversation is we were unemployed during the pandemic and we had to start our own business. That's I, yeah. that we wouldn't be having this conversation without that. So I'm curious to know what, what is different about somebody who looks at those challenges and, and sees them as an obstacle to overcome versus having it like break them down further. Yeah, it is so common to, to have an obstacle break somebody down. And the truth is, and I didn't even get to the third discovery, that's uh, so common to, the, the well, the third discovery was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And we even know what happens at every stage and how to move from one stage to the next. But what you're describing is so common and typical to stage three, which is where people land and stay. And, you know, you, and I'm happy to go through the stages. So you see it clearly, um, but you get a tremendous amount of small self benefits from your story and from everything you get from it. And when you realize though, you get so much more when you let that story go, um, that's the beginning of change. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I would love to go into those stages. I think this is really fascinating stuff. So if, if you don't mind, I would love to hear about sure. all five. Yeah. Absolutely. And we map them out and they're all mapped out and trust again. It's what we teach within the Institute, but here you go. So the first was like a setup stage. And uh, if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with every study participant, me included, was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not really paying much attention to feeling and being, right? Um, That's not to say if you're busy thinking and doing, you're gonna get betrayed. It's just what I typically saw. So, but if a table only has two legs, easy for the table to topple over. And that's us. Stage two, this is by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is shock. This is D-Day, Discovery Day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So here's like where that person takes a mask off saying, this is who I've really been this whole time. And it tattoos itself on your body, on your mind, on your heart. And you ignite the stress response. Now you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules that prevent chaos. Don't go there, trust this person. You know, it's like the rules that govern you. And in a moment, Every rule you've ever had has been shattered. The bottom has bottomed out and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So it's terrifying. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to suddenly bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most um, practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How how do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? How do I feed my kids? It's like that practical. Here's the trap though. Because once you figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, okay, all right, we got this. And 
you have no idea there's a stage four and stage five. So you think this is the end of the road. I better figure out a way to make this work. So you start planting roots here. You're not supposed to, but you don't know that. And four things happen. The first thing is you start getting those small self-benefits. You get your story. You get to be right. You get a target for your anger. You get someone to blame. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You don't have to figure out who to trust again. Can I trust you? Should I trust you? I forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. So you start planting some deeper roots here because you're here longer than you're supposed to be. Now your mind starts doing things like maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So you start planting deeper roots. Now, because this is what you're thinking, like energy attracts like energy. So now you start calling circumstances and people and relationships towards you to confirm this is where you belong. Like the misery loves company crowd, they come along now too, right? So you start, you plant deeper roots. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels, because it feels so bad, but you have no idea there's anything better, right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, whatever it is for you. Now think about it. You do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And and Casey, I can see someone 20 years out and say, you know, that emotional eating you're doing or that drinking you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. And they would say, it happened 20 years ago. But you see, all they did was put themselves in stage three and lock themselves in that stage. Mm. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my ego loves stage three because if I'm if I'm disassembling my idea of what I think I am or I feel like the ground is falling out underneath me with all of the things mm-hmm. that I thought were true or right or, or special about myself, if all of that's going away, then it makes perfect sense that my ego would love stage three. I'm going to hang out here for a long time. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And that's why most people land and stay right there. So, but here's the thing. If you're willing, willingness is a huge word here, and this is where you have to battle your ego. If you're willing to let go of all those small self-benefits and everything you get from it, you and do a few other things, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge I can't undo my betrayal, but I can control what I do with it. And I always use the example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in that kind of mental place, what you're doing is you're turning down the stress response. So you're not physically healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you were causing in stages two and stage three. You know, what's so interesting about stage four also is If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take all the things that don't represent who you want to be the minute you step foot in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. Right here is where you've outgrown them. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and they can't keep up or you don't want them in your life anymore. Totally common, totally normal. So uh, when you settle into this space 
and you're making it cozy, you're making it, you know, mentally your home, you move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal, self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on what you see so clearly now. And you have a new worldview based on your entire experience. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Wow. And that fifth stage, that seems like you, you would... You would have to be super mindful going into that stage to be able to create what you wanted from life at that point. Is that right? Yeah, it's very, you know, starting in stage three is very action oriented, you know, action oriented as far as like, how can I survive this? Stage four is really action oriented about sort of like, what do I need to heal? And stage five, you know, you're creating a new identity. You're like, you, you, now it's getting fun. And, and, See, here's the thing too. Betrayal lends itself to creating an entirely new identity. You leave behind all that doesn't serve and you and you take the parts you love because everything got leveled, you know, and rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself totally and completely and move on. And that's what I did with my family. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new based on new rules, new everything with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. You know, as two totally different people, not long ago, we married each other again. You know, new rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Um, Never in a bazillion years would I have done that if I wasn't totally different. And for sure, if he wasn't totally different. Wow. That's really amazing. I want to learn a little bit more about that experience. What was that like trying to uh, kind of rebuild and, and create something new from something old? Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Um, (laughs) not going to lie. Hardest thing I've ever done. You know, it's forgiving and, and walking away, you know, and, and rebuilding and walking away, which I had done with my family. I mean, I thought that was challenging. Um, forgiving and rebuilding something with the person who hurt you was, that was, I mean, talk about your ego. Um, my ego was, I was battling with my ego. Uh, and it was, it was the biggest fight of my life because everything, integrity is my highest value, my absolute highest value. So there wasn't one cell of me that was okay with it. Um, and I remember even going to, it's it's so hard because trust is shattered and you don't even know what to think, who to believe, you know, once you've been betrayed. So, so I was like, you know what, I, I'm just meeting with an intuitive coach because I need real help here. And I walk in and she just starts laughing. I'm like, what the heck is she laughing about? She goes, oh, how you two planned this. And I was like, what did you just say? So yeah. He needed something so catastrophic to crash and burn and become the husband, father, friend that he's meant to be. You, you needed to crash and burn so you can heal and teach from this deep place of knowing you're going to have an institute and this big following and and books on betrayal. And I'm thinking you're and I say you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, and of crazy. course, everything that happened. So so, you know, it, it's in in my scenario, that was. Like, I remember thinking to myself, what if that's true? 
you know, and I'd battle between really my ego and my soul. It was like, my ego was like, are you joking? And, and my soul was like, what if, what if there's a huge gigantic lesson here? And what if I can really, um, tell my ego that I'm, it's not the ego that's going to be running the show for a while. I mean, what if, what if, what if, and, uh, by far the hardest thing I have ever done. Wow. That's such a cool story. What has been the best thing that you've gained from that experience? I had no idea. I, I had it in me, um, to, to forgive at this level. I just didn't. I mean, I was, I was that, I was the person who judged when I heard someone else's story. Um, and, but what I learned also was be willing to lose it all. And I did, that was the deal breaker. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm a single mom now. And that was the deal breaker. And I had no, um, no intention. It was just, my only intention was to heal. And, and when you're, when there is that complete and total and utter death and destruction of the old at the very least you rebirth a new you Mm. and and you know if it's possible and and if the situation lends itself to it you rebirth a new opportunity um with that other person as well Um, but that never happens unless there's a crash and burn of the old and what i see so many people do is they're so afraid of that, that they just keep patching it up and patching it up and turning the other cheek. And and no, it just doesn't work. Mm. Wow. That's (laughs) such a great story. And so amazing that you would be so upfront about it and vulnerable with it, because I mean, that's, that's difficult to face. Like you said, for the ego, that's really quite the challenge. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the the kind of stage three. um, Mm -hmm. And, and I want to ask like, why, What's the difference between somebody that moves past stage three and goes to four or five versus somebody who stays stuck? And it sounds like time isn't even a factor. It could be last month or it could be 50 years ago. Um, what, what, what can help get people out of this stage three? Yeah, it's such a great question. And, you know, it's interesting because people ask me that all the time. How much time does it take? Time has nothing to do with it. It really doesn't. And and even going into the study, I assumed, you're not supposed to assume anything as a researcher. I was new at this. I was like, the people who were the hardest hit will probably grow the least because they have the most to overcome. That wasn't it at all. It was the people who were just willing to face their demons, slay their dragons and just not stop. They blew the doors off of people who were numbing, avoiding, distracting, people who refused to give up their story, or the people who were just so desperately clinging on to the relationship at all costs. And when I say all costs, it, it's their own health. Because the th- there were three groups in the study who didn't heal. The, the one group where the betrayer had no consequences, I only saw two things, a further deterioration of that relationship and the second thing was that group was by far the most physically sick. Your body can't handle that. Your heart can't handle that. Wow. That's so interesting. Why, how, how, why is self-love and self-help and like examining our past and, and embracing these things, why is it so challenging? Why would we rather numb for, for 20, 30, 40 years without just facing what's already there and the pain that's already there? Yeah. You know, this is going to sound so silly but this is the reality. We don't like being uncomfortable. And we will take, uh, we would rather 
numb, avoid, distract, to temporarily put this, you know, put it at bay, then deal with it. You know, and it reminds me of like, if you've ever cleaned like an, an, a room, like a really messy room, a garage, let's take a garage, for example, you think it's not, but let's say it's a big old mess and you think it's not vying for your attention, but it is. You avoid that thing at all costs. And if you have to go in, you grab what you need to grab and you're out of there, right? And then there's that one day where you're like, that's it. I'm going in and think about what happens. You roll your sleeves up. You have all your garbage bags, whatever it is. And you start making piles. You donate this, toss this, fix this. Right. And, and if you think about it, it's actually a bigger mess than before you got to it. But then you donate, you toss, you bring stuff to fix whatever, and you put back what's left. Think about what happens next. You, you are standing there, your hands on your hips. You're like, look at me, right? You want to invite people over. Look at my garage. It looks so beautiful. The only way you felt that way and you got to that place was because you dove in. You can't feel that sense of accomplishment, of pride, of empowerment, unless you dive in and do the work. And that's why when we just avoid and numb and distract, it follows you around like a shadow and you never have that feeling. But we we look at it like we'd rather have that. You know, I have a saying I've been saying with clients for 30 years and it, it applies to everything. You ready? It's going to apply to exactly what we're talking about. Perfect. Okay. Easy now, hard later. Hard now, easy later. Take your pick. It's going to be one of those two, I right? Think about it. I love it. I love that. Easy now, easy now, I'm going to have that drink. And I'm, I don't want to deal with it. Hard later, still there, right? Or hard now, I'm going to I'm going to face this stuff. I'm going to deal with this. Easy later. Now I'm moving through it. Use it for anything, right? Weight loss. I want the cookies, right? They're the cookies. Easy now. I eat the cookies. Hard later, I can't button my pants, right? Yep. Hard now, they're the cookies. I want them, but I'm going to have an apple instead. Easy later. Look at me. I look good. You see, no matter what it is, but we choose easy now. And it only leaves us with hard later. That's amazing. I can confirm based on what you just described um, that it will be a bit messy at first. Our pantry is like totally clean now. We cleaned it all out last week and it was great. And and yes, we were the ones with our hands on our hips being so proud about it. But yeah, it was a, it was a big mess. And yeah. I think of I think of the um, an example given by one of my favorite books, The Untethered Soul. And and mm-hmm. it talks about like the, the guy who has a thorn on his side. And so he tries to cover it up and he will do anything to avoid like facing the, the, the problem. And he goes through all these crazy mental gymnastics. It's a really great story. And, and it, it just makes the point, like go back to like, you could have just taken the thorn out to begin with and it would have started to heal. Yet we yeah. go through all these major things and, and all the hiding and everything to, to not avoid feeling <laughs> a little yep, bit of pain. That's it. We yeah. don't like being uncomfortable. Mm. It's just so true in so many ways of life. We can keep everything 72 degrees. We can, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, take substances. We can eat whatever soft foods we can come and in, in, encounter with in the world. And like, yeah, we, it's, it's, it's cool that we've, you know, created amazing lives for ourselves, but you're right. We've also have become extremely, um, unresilient and not able to face uncomfortable things. It's crazy. And when we do though, that's, I mean, that's when we see how strong, you know, we are. And and it's interesting when I see people come into the PBT Institute with symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, move through the five stages, get to that place of post-betrayal transformation. They are the strongest, most empowered, uh, healthiest, most confident people I've ever seen, because look what they've moved through. You know, think about it. Betrayal is, this is, 
the person, the people who gave you a sense of safety and security. And then when that person or those people are the very people to shatter that sense of safety and security, it's traumatizing. And when you can move through it and rebuild uh, trust and, and heal from that sense of rejection and abandonment and belonging and worthiness and confidence, you are a different person. Wow. Yeah, that's a really great point. I'm curious to know, like, just off the top of your head, like one or two um, stories, your story, personal story is amazing, but some of the stories of people that you've helped, um, what are what are one or two that come to mind? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We have some, we have weekly uh, Q&A with me in the Institute. And what I love so much is we'll have a member um, sharing just a recent experience and other members will say, oh my gosh, you sound so different that, you know, than you just sounded two weeks ago. It's like, you'll just, you see the, pro- all they're doing is they're doing the work. New boundaries are being put in place. They're, they're terrified to say no or whatever it is. And they do, and they have the support of people, you know, enough to ha- give them the strength to do this. And then they, they get, they, they their confidence grows because of it. And we see it all the time. And then I'll tell you, there are the people who on those same Q and A's, they will tell me this, this, a story week after week after week. And, um, and those are the ones who don't stay because they're unwilling to let go of their story. And I'd rather, honestly, it's, we're not a community for that. It's not a woe is me party. It's we're there to, to move them through the stages. And um, so I used to say the community is for people who've been betrayed, uh, you know, and to heal physically, mentally, emotionally. And I've changed it. Now it's people who are ready to rebuild their health, their lives after betrayal. And the readiness is huge. Wow. And you are noticing um, physical manifestations of that as well. Maybe people getting more physically fit, um, more healthy on that front as well. Oh, a hundred percent. Because, you know, when I, when I read those symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, as you move through the stages, you heal from all of it, all of it. Mm, ah, that's so interesting. I want to talk about your latest book and, and rebuilding trust. What are some of the cornerstones of, of that work? Yeah. So trust again, really is about, I move people through the five stages, all the stages are there. And I, and I was like, you know, at a time where we need, need support the most and we're the least likely to seek it at the very least, there's a book that somebody could have in their hands and move through the stages. Uh, I also teach the four-step trust rebuilding process, the study participants and their stories are in there. My very personal stories in there. And it's not the, the type of book that you read. It's the type of book that you do. Um, and it's, it's really to, to physically move you through the stages. Mm. Yeah, that sounds really practical and, and very helpful. Um, I, I just feel like once our trust is betrayed, um, it, it feels so difficult to want to rebuild it, you know, build it back up again. Um, what are some of the benefits you see from, from being vulnerable and open to rebuilding trust? Yeah, you know, I, and, and people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say no. Uh, can it be rebuilt? 100%. I look at it like this. Trust to me is like a brick wall. And the only way I know of a brick wall being built is, is brick by brick by brick. And the way it works is every opportunity that person has to show that they're trustworthy is one brick in the brick wall, right? So it could take 10, 20, 30 years, right? Brick by brick by brick. And now that person with those people in one moment can shatter the entire brick wall, right? So now you could look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. However, if you you are willing 
to watch that brick wall be rebuilt. The person who's been betrayed has to be willing. And the person who shattered the brick wall has to be a really good bricklayer. And they have to do it the same way they did it the first time, showing that every opportunity they have to be trustworthy is one brick in that brick wall, brick by brick by brick. What I see though, so often is people are so, the person who's been betrayed is so uncomfortable uh, with the, you know, what this chaos has caused. They're like, forget it. I'll build the brick wall. I'll fix it. Never mind. Mm. You see? And it's not their place. It's not their job to do. Interesting. Wow. That's really helpful. Um, I've also learned a lot from your podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast, your show, and the message you're trying to convey there? Sure. Thank you. So from Betrayal to Breakthrough, I mean, we have every Monday, we have interviews with doctors, thought leaders, regular people who have a story, a strategy, uh, like a concrete nugget to take away to heal physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually. And every Friday, we have a dose of Dr. Debbie. And it's just a short little quick Something that I've seen, something that I want to share, uh, just to uh, just just so you know, you're not alone. You're not crazy. You could heal from all of it. Mm, that's great. Are you surprised with how much you love podcasting? You know, I, I really am. I started it because I've been in business 30 years, and I always like the idea of when you have a new relationship in in business, offering you know having something to give. So I really started it because I just wanted to give something. Like, hey, want to be on my podcast? And uh, just because I wanted to meet the most, you know, amazing people, which I have. Um, and it's, I, and it's really being on other people's podcasts and hosting my own. I have met just amazing, amazing people just like you. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is something, um, really special. I mean, this is not a topic I would have been able to like deep dive into, but meeting you mm-hmm. and encountering you and your work has been, it's, it's great. And this is something that now we are making and creating and, and it's shareable. And if, if, you know, one of our clients brings it up, like we can say, Oh, go back to episode such and such and listen to this topic. And it is such a fun thing to kind of, um, create and build out of basically nothing. It's really awesome. Um, yeah. I'm curious, you are somebody who appears very fit and very healthy. Um, what are mm-hmm. some of the other fitness, and health principles you have used in your life um, to keep yourself strong and resilient? You know, it's just been a part of my life forever. And, uh, and I remember, I mean, I have four kids and, and it it just, this reminds me of um, when the kids were young. I mean, I had a, a five and six year old and then I had a newborn and a toddler and, and I'm like, how the heck do you get a workout in with this? So I remember having a double jogger putting my toddler in a backpack and a newborn in one of those baby Bjorn, I don't know what they call them today, <laughs> snuggly things. And I became known as the fit mom who wears all those kids, you know, it's it, <laughs> in the neighborhood. And it's just, it, it's just part of uh, it, especially it's like, you look at it in the morning, right? If you don't get your workout in some people end of day, I mean, that's wonderful. I don't have the energy, but it's a, it's a way to sort of set the day and the tone and give yourself a little bit of self-care because once the day starts, so many other tasks and chores and obligations. And if you're not on your own list, I mean, or if fitness isn't on your list or if it's later in the day, it's the first thing to get knocked off. And then you don't feel well and it affects everybody. So, um, you know, I used to think it was selfish and I learned it's self-preservation. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's like the whole oxygen mask thing, right? Like you want to make sure you're putting your own on. You're not going to be able to serve anybody if you're unfit or unwell. So yeah, I love that. I love making making your own health and fitness priority, even if you're lugging around six dogs and <laughs> four kids that you wear. Well, the dogs stayed home. The dogs didn't come on our little uh, walks. That's funny. <laughs> That's great. What's one thing that you are really excited for for the future? Uh you know, the PBT Institute is slowly getting known as like how there's AA for alcohol, there's the PBT Institute for betrayal. Um, my greatest wish, of course, if we could prevent it, best case scenario, but just for people to know there's a place to come and do some healing quickly if they just go all in. And, um, and, and, you know, they have people watching, they have their, their families and, and kids watching them. And this doesn't have to be a repeat cycle for themselves in future generations. They can, they can heal it once and for all. So my greatest wish is really for them to know this exists. They can heal and, and just be better for, for the people they love. Wow. I love that. That just makes me think of, you know, the gift that that gives to any children, you know, kids around the house or whatever, if, if the parents are taking care of themselves, those kids must grow up in a, in a far better environment. Is that right? Oh, exactly. You know, I'll tell you where we are. It's like a brand new family. We we're all the same people, but we're not. And we're having so much fun now. And the four kids, like my four kids are best friends and it's like they've been through war together, you know? So, so there's something about, uh, they saw mom crash and burn, but they saw mom rise. And I, and I think that's important. Um, and everybody does it their own way, but it teaches them, it teaches them, you know, life is going to have some stuff that's really painful, really uncomfortable. How do you deal? How do you cope? You know, and because it's going to happen to them. And I feel like they're so much more well-equipped because of what they've seen in me. Mm. That's incredible. I love that. Along those lines, what is something you're really grateful for right now? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful for just grateful for love. I'm grateful for forgiveness. I'm grateful for, um, opportunities that you never know it when they happen, the most painful, painful things that happen, uh, to reveal your greatest gifts, just grateful for, for all the lessons. What a great answer. I love that. Uh, this has been such a fun conversation. I've learned a lot from you um, digging into this stuff. What is one simple thing you would like to leave the listener with from this conversation that they can take and apply in their lives? Yeah. You, you know, I'm going to say this because I see it all the time. If you have to say this a million times to yourself, it's worth it. Even though it happened to you, it's not about you. It's not about you. Your job is just to heal physically, mentally, and emotionally, period. And then see what happens. That's, but your job is to heal. It's not about you. That's amazing. I love that. I actually just thought of a, another question I'd like to ask for somebody like me who maybe hasn't experienced a strong you know, betrayal in their life. Is there anything that, that people can do to get out ahead of it uh, before something like that happens? You know, when your when your BS meter is sharpened and strong, you're you're you know, <laughs> that's a pretty good thing. But like in my scenario, right? I, I I this was meant to happen so I could do this with it. So, you know, so is it in everybody's best case scenario to prevent it? It happened to me and I'd say no, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I prevented it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a hard question for me to answer. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to answer it. And I think that's a great way to approach life and understand that, yeah, bad things might happen, but we just label them bad and we don't know what's on the other side of them or what we could possibly learn or take away from that. Such a great way to think about those types of things. 
Dr. Debbie Sibler, this has been an amazing conversation. Where would you like people to go to find you and your work and connect with you? Uh, thank you. Well, I think everybody should just take the quiz to see to what extent they're struggling. They could just find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And if they want the book, instead of just going to Amazon, get it uh, from Amazon, but but get it from this link because then you get all kinds of goodies too. And that's just the pbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. That is awesome. We will link to that in the show notes. Dr. Sibler, thank you again so much for all of your work. Um, thank you for taking some very strong personal challenges and using them to become stronger, more resilient, and and again, to be vulnerable with it, to share the story, to help other people, I think is just so tremendous. So I, I just really appreciate you and your work, and I will be listening to your podcast and um, mm -hmm. love your work, and we're so grateful for you and for coming on our show today. Thank you so much. Uh Thank you. And thank you. It's people like you that give people like me a voice. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a total honor. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio.